0: Welcome to the Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, the Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, Marcus Warren, and I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday, and as usual, in front of me, I am joined by our resident tax professional D. How you do? Wow, how you doing, D? Hello, and happy Sunday! And remember that if you miss any parts of the show, or you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. Now, what is that? That's basically a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you may be asking yourself, Marcus, how do I get that? Well... You can simply do that by ordering, by going to warrenwealth.net and ordering that physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement. Once again, all you got to do is go to that site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge, by the way, to your front door. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net on to the show. All right, so um, where are we here? Let me take a drink of my water. Clear up the pipes um, for what we're going to talk about um, today. So um, we've had a lot of rain since the last time Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, things have um, transpired. I was talking about the heat last time, and now it's still hot, but now it's uh, a lot wet, although I really needed it because my landscaping and uh, plants... um, We're getting kind of dry because I'm pretty inconsistent on uh, getting out there and um, watering those plants. So, so glad that we got this rain. Unfortunately, there's been some flooding um, Mm -hmm. um, that has, you know, devastated uh, some communities. But, um, you know, luckily, uh, at least for uh, me and where we are, it wasn't that bad. And um, uh, my plants got watered. Um, Yeah, uh, there we go. So there you go. Look at the bright side uh, of the rain. Yeah, the bright side. Oh, you know, although uh you know, or um, you know, hopefully things get better where it flooded. Um so let's do this. Let's jump into some money matters.
2: Here comes the money.
1: Here we go. Money talks. Talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. money, 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 money. Dollar, dollar. All right, so let's um let's talk here. Let's um uh talk about what's been in the, the headlines. Last week. And the biggest thing is um, uh, the R word, recession. Um, Of course, uh, the US economy has been in the headlines for a while, um, with a lot of economists and financial experts basically warning about an impending downturn sometime this year or next year. So I think it was Thursday, new data came in that basically uh, was going to tell us how close. Uh, we are to a recession or if we're in one. And what we have found out is that the economy, it did shrink the first half of of, of this year. and But what does that actually mean? Does that actually mean that we're in a recession? And the answer is um, it depends, okay. which is interesting. Mm. So what do I mean by that? So um, technically a recession, now this is the technical term, right? Technical definition, I should say. A recession is six months of negative growth in the U.S. economy, and they measure that by what's called gross domestic product or GDP. And really, it requires significant and widespread declines across um, the economy um, in different types of measures, like you got what you got the the employment rate, uh, consumer spending, uh, manufacturing, things of that nature. And so, there are no hard and fast rules really on exactly what measures are factored in or how they're weighted. However, um, you know, we did just have uh, another report of this last quarter, the second quarter of 2022, uh, that we uh, were um, uh, down. And uh, really recessions for the most part, they're notoriously hard to predict in advance. And so it's easy to to uh, say a recession is coming at some point in the future, But it's much harder to quantify exactly when, how long, and uh, how deep one will be. Um, And so, yes, um, figures came out saying that uh, the economy for the past six months has contracted, which usually indicates a recession. However, based on the White House, based on Washington, Washington Post, things of that nature, it says, you know, the official determination of whether or not we (laughs) are in a recession is made by a panel of experts and who are these experts who knows, but I know that politically it's not ever good to say that, Hey, um, uh, I'm in charge of this country. We have this administration and now we're in a recession. Um, And so maybe that's why you see some of these goalposts moved uh, back and things of that nature. Um, But let's talk about this. You got to, you got to think about this for, for nearly two years, right for the, for the last past two years, uh, the economy the US economy we've notched fantastic gains we've been living um, uh, high off the hog there's been millions of new jobs um, and wage increases um, which is was basically added to that streak of good news that, that we had families and businesses um, have been flushed with cash because of the the stimulus uh, money that that flew into the economy um, and they use that cash to buy. Things such as as houses, as as cars, electronics, big ticket items, right? And that extra spending combined with some supply chain issues and supply chain shortages and delays from the pandemic, it helped drive up prices and it basically contributed to the highest inflation in nearly 40 years, right? And we talked about inflation um, uh, last show. Um. And so the policymakers, the Fed, the government, they um, tried to tackle some of these skyrocketing prices with higher interest rates, and recently they just jacked them up about 75 basis points or 0.75%. And they're hoping that by uh, doing that, they make it more expensive for families and businesses to borrow Right. To borrow money for things like uh, investments, for things like homes, uh, cars, and uh, hopefully that they can push the demand down for those types of things. And then the question is, and this is the balancing act that the Fed and policymakers always have to think about, is whether they will be able to slow things down just enough without sending the country into a recession, Right. Um, and it's interesting because um, even though this first half of the year we've notched, um, you know, we, we've seen a, a decline. Um, consumer spending, however, was up one point one percent in June. So last month um, or really not last month, I guess in June, a um, couple months ago now, boy, time flies. Mm-hmm. Um, consumer spending was up. We'll have to see what happened in July. But I would I would suspect that we're going to start seeing some decline in uh, consumer spending. Um, but that's the balancing act that um, the Fed and the government has when they're trying to um, um, get, this, get, get this economy um, under wraps. So we have this high inflation, and they're like, all right, let's, uh, let's jack up interest rates to slow spending. But if they do it too quickly, then they can, uh, of course, throw a monkey wrench in um, business spending, business investments. Um, uh, the credit markets can, can sometimes get tight because now it gets a little, the banks are a little more stringent on um, who they're loaning money to, money to. And so if the capital isn't flowing into the economy, then they can create that, that, that recession. So that's the balancing act that the Fed and the government uh, has, has, to, uh, has to play. And so, the question is this. Um, how do we know if we're in a recession? Because technically, based on six months of contraction in the, in the economy, we shouldn't officially be in you know, some sort of recession. But really, an official recession, it isn't really called that until things get really bad or pretty, pretty bad, as uh, Larry David would say. So, um, during the Great Recession, for example, um, the National Bureau of Economic Research—they um, didn't announce until December 2008 that a recession had begun a full year earlier. So it took them a pretty, pretty long time to even admit that we were, in, were that we it, were in a recession during the um, from 2007 to 2009. And so, um, and so, what generally happens during a recession? Um, you know, before it's even a, 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 an official tend to have warning signs and people tend to, to feel it a little bit. Um, jobs, uh, losses typically rise. You see wages um, stagnate. Um, families and businesses, they stop spending uh, so much money. Um, you know, really the, the, the job market um, in particular can hold a lot of clues. Um, there's an economist uh, uh, that we follow, uh, Claudia Sam. Um, and she you know, came up with a way to recognize recessions in the early stages based on the unemployment rate. And because generally unemployment rises in, in, in recessions, which is why generally they're so bad and they can be broad based. Um, but the unemployment rate is usually um, um, is one of the things that that starts to go bad, right? Um, and once it starts rising during a recession, uh, it tends to uh, to keep going. But, however, the unemployment rate right now is at a pandemic low of 3.6%, and that's down from about 5 or, or 6% uh, a year ago. And so it's interesting because um, – in the pandemic, the coronavirus crisis, uh, it's blown uh, many of these uh, economic conventions out of the water. So really, it's anybody's guess these days whether these past indicators or these past trends will hold true uh, this time around. And the bottom line is this. There is no crystal ball. All we know is that so far, the, the, the facts that we have right now, the first half of this year, January through July, we have seen uh the, the, the economy has contracted, right? And uh, technically, that generally indicates that we're in a recession or headed towards a, reche- a recession. But we will see what happens. So um, coming up next, we're going to uh, continue to talk about the recession. OK, we're going to talk about um, uh, is a recession coming? How soon? How long do they last? And how does it affect you? The listener. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Marcus Warren Show. Oh, some uh, new Beyonce. Right, so this song is uh, called "Break My Soul" mm-hmm. by Beyonce. This song came out uh, this year recently. A couple weeks ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number seven in the U.S., number four in the U.K.
2: Alright
1: There you go. Beyonce's is uh, always still working, still putting out uh, hits. Cheers. That's uh, longevity is tough in the, in this business. You know, to so gotta yes, stay relevant. Yes. Anyway, yeah. welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. So, um, we were talking about the R word um, and recessions. So let's continue to talk about um, recessions. So we were talking about how one of the in- indicators is employment, and when unemployment starts to rise. Um, Creates this cycle and can accelerate uh, the downturn in the economy. And right now, the U.S. is at full employment, three point six percent, the lowest um, in a long, long time. But we are starting to see some companies start to adjust because as interest rates move up, things starting to to tighten, um, and you are starting to see layoffs. So. Um, you have Ford, who uh, announced they're going to lay off about eight thousand people uh, nationwide. Um, some of these tech companies: Twitter, um, Tesla, Netflix. Uh, they've um, have started to lay people off. CVS. Um, have uh, that's um, you know a, a company um, people are familiar with. Loan Depot, mm-hmm. not Home Depot, mm-hmm. but Loan at Depot is uh, laying off about 2000 people. And that's simply because as, as isn't just as interest rates go up, the demand for mortgages goes down. And so loan Depot um, has announced layoffs. And so, um, like I said earlier, there's no crystal ball. We don't know, um, if one is coming up the pipe, um, but, um, uh, sentiment is headed that way. Let me uh, explain. So, um, uh, will we have a downturn? Um, we have two of the largest banks, Deutsche Bank and Goldman Sachs. They do um, predict some sort of recession. They say a uh, recession um, uh, is uh, foreseeable that first half of 2023. I'm thinking we're already kind of headed that way and we, we may be there way we may be there sooner, but um, hey, uh, I'm just a humble man with this uh, humble show. I'm trying to throw out my uh, my prediction. Um, who am I? I'm not Goldman Sachs or Deutsche Bank. But here's what we know. And this is what makes things so crazy, right? Unemployment, like I just said, at historical lows. Savings accounts, people's savings accounts, the savings rates, people are still flush with cash. Thanks, you know, of course, to the government stimulus uh, during the pandemic. Um, and then families and businesses—they are continuing to spend to spend more than they did last year. Like I said, June spending was up 1.1 percent. And so, but so we have that. But then at the same time, inflation is at 40-year highs. Um, Americans, we are starting to buy fewer cars, appliances, and other things. Right, those big-ticket items—they're they're starting to. Uh, Um, trend downwards. Let's talk about the stock market. Trillions of dollars in stock market wealth gone in months, right? With this bear market that we're in. And um, uh, a lot of these families, uh, many of whom have been going through their savings by traveling and things of that nature, are starting to rethink those things, right? Vacations, going out to eat, um, other type of spending. We are seeing those, uh, come back. Um, and then that is basically why we've seen over the last six months, the economy has contracted. You are looking like you're about to say something. So, but I don't know, maybe not. Okay. So, um, are we in a recession? Who knows? Um, but how long does a a recession typically last? Well, recessions, for the most part, they typically last about 11 months, 9 to 11 months. Um, And, of course, the time frames can vary. Um, The pandemic recession in early 2020, which most people didn't even know we were in a recession in early 2020, that's because it lasted for two months, the shortest in history, while the Great Recession lasted 18 months from 2007 to 2009. So a long eighteen months, and um, and so there you go. But the question is, and what most people um, have questions about is this. Even my daughter. So how does uh, a recession, Dad? How does it affect me? How does it affect the average person? And my daughter's um, she's barely in the workforce. She's in school, goes to college, but you know she has a job and she's working. But now she's starting to hear the grumblings about a recession she's never really had to uh, think about it. And now she has questions. So how does an af- uh, how does a recession affect the average, the average person? Um, uh, the, the, the first way is just really job losses are the biggest way that recessions hit the average person. Um, and then they can quickly snowball into um, other problems, right? If you happen to lose your job, if you get laid off, um, you don't have that money coming in. Um, shoot, you might not even have healthcare. I just thought about that. You might not even have healthcare because most people's healthcare is tied to their jobs, right? Um, money's not coming in. It can, you, uh, hopefully not, but eventually lead to, um, not being able to pay your rent, evictions, things of that nature. I'm not sure, um, if it's going to get that bad, but if job losses start to occur, then, uh, it can have that snowball, uh, fact. but uh, even those who happen to stay employed during a recession, they can be hurt also. Um, one is just job mobility; it can be harder to switch a job or or, or get a raise. Um, small businesses are more likely to fold uh, during a recession. Um, for young adults like my daughter, who is uh, uh, going to be a senior in college. Um. You know, once she graduates, you know, if you graduate during the recession or these young adults who are entering the labor force uh, during a downturn, it can take, uh, um, you know, years uh, to make it up, um, you know, for, for spotty employment options, right, and, and low starting pay. So you can be going into the workforce, um, you have, you know, these um, not so good employment options, or if that, if you have any employment options, and then if you do, you um, Uh, the pay might not be um, what you thought it would be, right? And what about the retirees, right? Let's talk about the retirees who um, are about to retire or have been retired and now you hit a recession. Um, Well, a lot of retirees who have um, accumulated uh, a certain amount of wealth in uh, their 401ks or IRAs, whatever that may be, or if you uh, are still working and have accumulated a good chunk of change in that company retirement plan, you've basically seen that cut at least a third, right? Um, And if you're in retirement, your nest egg is lower, um, which may uh, put you at a position where you have less to spend. And the one thing that retirees do not like when they're in retirement and they're pulling from their retirement accounts is uncertainty, And when you hit a recession, um, you know, those, those feelings of, of, of anxiety and uncertainty tend to kick in. Um, and really, you know, of course, at the end of the day, recessions are bad because people suffer financially. Um, they're, um they end up affecting not just people who are working and are scared about layoffs, but it can creep into people who, like I said, are about to enter the workforce or people who are leaving the workforce or people who are retired who have less money to spend. So the question is this, how can you prepare for a recession? And the one thing that I say is you have to focus on your personal economy. There's a lot of noise out there. A lot of noise. Um, And I would just say, you know what, you need to stop listening to it. Turn the TV off. (laughs) It's funny. um, I was um, uh, on TV not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And um, they asked me, you know, what investors should do about the bear market and all the bad news that's out there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, they should turn the TV off. (laughs) And I'm on TV. And hopefully they didn't (laughs) turn it off while I was talking to them about the bear market. But Anyway, so um, you got to tune out the noise. um, And how how can you, and focus on your personal economy? Number one, um, you can boost your savings. Get that emergency fund funded, right? Think about this. If you lost your job tomorrow, would you have enough savings to pay your bills for one month? Two months? What about six months or a year, right? The. What the financial experts say about how much you should have in your emergency fund is about six months of living expenses. Right? Um, if you don't have at least six months of expenses in your savings account, start to build that up today. Uh, the more you save, uh, the less chance you uh, the less chance you'll have that one is uh, you'll have at least some peace of mind. Right. Uh, two, if you don't have it and you have a credit card, you're more likely to just try to max those bad boys out just to make ends meet until you can find that other job. Or sometimes people will raid their retirement accounts. So at least have that emergency fund um, if you don't. All right, that's number one. Number two, we try to pay off some debt, right? Paying off debt, it basically lowers your monthly interest expense and it frees up other income for your other needs. Another thing you can do is... Budget. Prioritize your, your your purchases. Review your budget. Decide which items you can eliminate or put on hold. That's when you have to decide between your needs versus your wants, right? Get a budget. And then last, you know, I say you can try to recession-proof your uh, career, right? If your job doesn't feel secure for the long run, uh, update that resume, uh, learn more marketable skills, you know, take some, some, some training, things of that nature. Uh, of course, you know, you can always look for that second job or that second side hustle, um, uh, in this gig economy, what the, uh, kids call it. Um, actually I doubt the kids call it gig, Mm -mm. gig economy. That's what old people people say. say. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Um, you know, but those are some things that you can do to help you prepare for, for the recession. Focus on your personal economy, emergency fund, pay off debt, budget, things, uh, things of that nature. Do those things because whether we're in a recession now, who knows, the experts will tell us down the line, or whether we're going to uh, be in a recession uh, sometime next year. The bottom line is control what you can't control, and that is your personal economy. All right. Coming up next, we're going to jump into D's Tax Corner. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. I need love, love. All right. So this is the are the. This is the Supremes. What was I saying? <laughs> it's called "You Can't Hurry Love." The song came out in 1966. Okay. Number one in the U.S. Number three in the U.K. There you go, Diana Ross and the Supremes. Some good music. Real good music.
2: Good music.
0: Yes.
1: All right, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. Now, when you go to warrenwealth.net, you will be able to get a retirement rescue game plan that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. We are talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk you got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. <laughs> all right. Um, what do we got time for? Oh, we got plenty of time because we just started. Let's get into uh, these tax coins. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax.
2: All right. So in 2017, a feel-good story was making the rounds. It featured a woman named Caitlin McClure and a man who saved her. Uh, So it was fall in Philadelphia. McClure said she ran out of gas one evening on the highway on her way home to New Jersey. She claimed that a homeless man, eventually uh, he was identified as Johnny Bobbitt Jr., he had been sitting on the side of the road he saw that she was in distress, and so he gave her his- A
1: damsel in distress. A
2: damsel in distress. He gave her his 20 remaining dollars that he had so she could get gas. Okay. So she was very grateful. She she said she would come back and repay him.
1: And he sent her a 1099.
2: <laughs> he did not, no. <laughs> but shortly after that, McClure and her boyfriend uh, named Mark D'Amico, they started a GoFundMe account to raise money for the homeless man, um, oh, okay. saying pay it forward. Um, they, you know, McClure, she said she truly believes that all Johnny needs is a little break. He, you know, hopefully some people can help him get back on his feet. And people came through. 14,000 really? donors contributed more than $400,000 to the GoFundMe to help Bobbit, who was a recovering drug addict, get back on his feet. Okay. And it would all seem like a great story, except that it was a scam. Oh, okay, it was all fake. There all was right. no encounter on the highway. In fact, the couple had met uh, uh, Bobbitt in a casino, and I guess they came up with this scheme to uh, make up the story, this you know feel good story that happened to get people to raise right. uh, to donate money that was then spent on cars, jewelry.
0: Of gambling course.
2: trips of course. you know that's what people yeah that's what people do um the three were of course eventually found out uh-huh. um Bobbit the homeless man didn't end up getting the money he was promised so right.
1: oh so he, he was a it was an actual homeless man
2: he was an actual homeless man yeah gotcha
1: Yes, okay yes
2: it was just the encounter the whole let me give you my last remaining uh, money that right. never happened well
1: I would uh, sniff that out right away because the homeless dude is not giving you their last much less $20.
2: Maybe he was just trying to help somebody else in need.
1: Um, that yeah, was the story. Yeah, Obviously, that, that, he wasn't. Yeah, that smells of, of fishiness right there.
2: So McClure, she was sentenced to a year in prison. Her uh, boyfriend was sentenced to 27 month, months in prison, and Bobbitt received probation um, and some drug counseling because um, he never took any money. They took all the money and spent it. He okay. never received any money.
1: No, I, okay. So yeah, he was oh, he was involved too. He was just a homeless dude who was
2: Yes, he was part of this. They took pictures, they made oh. up this they made up this whole story um and it just never panned out for him right. the way that it had planned. So what does all of this have to do with taxes?
1: Yeah, that was my question.
2: Well, the 14,000 uh, donors who contributed the collective $400,000 to the campaign not only probably are out of that money, but they also can't deduct it on their taxes. Why? Because donations made to an individual are never tax-deductible for federal purposes, no matter how deserving that person might be. Even contributions to a group fund to benefit an individual, like those GoFundMe group donations. Sometimes people will raise money for medical bills. Sometimes people will raise money for burial costs, housing, whatever the case may be. Those are not tax-deductible because the... uh, Donations are going to an individual. You have to go, uh, the donations, in order for donations to be tax deductible, they have to go to a qualified charitable organization. um, And the IRS is the one who determines what qualified charitable organizations are.
1: That's generally a, for technical terms, a 501c3. Correct. Right. Yes, yes. Which, I mean, which makes sense. I mean, because how many times have we been asked by... Um, our clients and the people we talk to who are generally grandparents, things of that nature, yes. they ask, can I write off money I give to my grandkids? Yes. Unfortunately, no. no. That's right. That's right. Um,
2: the only time some of those GoFundMes are deductible is if it's, if it's donated to GoFundMe.org, which is a 501c3. Hmm. And they, use, uh, they are a charity and they use it for purposes. But if you're just on the GoFundMe site and you're donating to – Some sort of fundraiser that somebody, no, those are not tax deductible. Similarly, um, just because an organization is tax exempt doesn't always mean that those donations are tax deductible. For example, uh, something called a 501c6 organization, such as a business league, those are tax exempt organizations, but donations to those are not tax deductible. Now, it's like the
1: Kiwanis Club or -hmm. the Rotary Club. Right, exactly. Yep. Yep.
2: So uh, I bring this up because scams like this are, are pretty prevalent recently. Are prevalent. The The New York Times recently featured a story about a man who was able to get seventy six fake nonprofits approved by the IRS. He filed the ten twenty four EZ, got these uh, charities quote unquote charities established.
1: That's the easy part.
2: That is the easy part.
1: Yeah, the hard part. Ask any legitimate nonprofit is raising, raising money
2: well see he <laughs> so. was a uh, uh, mischievous I'm trying to think of a, a word an evil <laughs> diabolical. evil diabolical there an we go evil
1: genius an
2: evil genius because he named uh, the charities after established organizations like the American Cancer Society the United Way what do he, you call he it he the United
1: used, Hay. he
2: used he used uh, fake names Um and, the, and the, received instead of
1: the red cross with the C, the red cross with, with like a K? K or something,
2: yeah, or with an E at the end C R O S S E, yeah, the British version, um, <laughs> the American Red Cross, the British version. Um, he, he raised a hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, um, using the fake charities, and um, all of them had the same address, and the IRS just allowed it.
1: Oh, the same address, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah, I mean. The IRS isn't. I mean, the IRS is just—they're gonna look, and if you file the paperwork correctly, yep, they're gonna approve you. Yes, um, which really is no harm. You know, no foul yes. there. Um, it's you know pretty interesting just to make it and, easy and,
2: for actual organizations yes. who might be trying to raise funds, make it right. easy for them to get established and be able to do this. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the interesting thing is the fact that the guy was actually able to, you know, to raise money. I wonder if he did anything, or he just like let people make the mistake of. I don't, know, go- googling, yes. I don't know googling to yeah. the the Red Cross mm-hmm. and not noticing that there's an e at the end of that yeah you know, could be c mm-hmm. and he just kind of let it roll in and didn't yeah. go out there and solicit right. um, donations because
2: yeah.
1: you know I mean that's that's a lot of money to um, you know to to raise yes um, you know just just like I said ask any you know person who has a nonprofit or, or just a nonprofit organization yeah. just the uh, the manpower and um, you know the effort that goes into soliciting those donations that that are legitimate, much less yeah, you know this, sh- you know schmuck bag, you sh- know to,
2: yeah, fake charities. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: mean that's uh yeah, well that's true, but they don't get to write anything off. And when you think about it too, there's there's um, as far as being able to, and actually you know what? Well, we're not promoting any kind of um you know tax um um scams or anything like that, but. Mm-hmm. Don't you get an above the don't you get an above the line deduction for if if I'm an individual like $600. It used to that be That I don't it was, have to
2: It was a temporary it was oh, a temporary okay. deduction for 2 years um just part of one of the oh, COVID bills okay. um, for uh 2020 2021 where you get an above the line deduction meaning that you don't have to itemize. Um, usually when you, you just make say, a yeah. contribution to yes. charity, you have to itemize your deductions in order for it to even make a difference on your return. Um, for those two years, um, the IRS said, Hey, if you donate, uh, 2020, it was 300 2021, it was $600 to a qualified oh. and it had right. to be a cash donation. Um, not a goodwill or anything like that. Right. Then, um, then you do get that a little deduction up front.
1: Okay. And, but that's gone now.
2: That's gone. Well, as long as they, uh, yes, as of now it's gone unless they extend it.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. So no, um, so just, uh, watch out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yes, in that instance, watch out. I mean, it's not running rampant, but I do, I will tell you what though, I I think people do need the, the, the the best point isn't, you know, that there's scams out there. Mm -hmm. Um, the point is just in general when you yes. contribute or give money to these GoFundMe
2: yes.
1: uh, pages, yeah. that um, it may be legitimate, yeah, but you just cannot write that off yes. against yeah. any kind of income if you're going that route. Sometimes you people, by the do way, it. D. Sometimes they just like to give out of the kindness of their heart. <laughs> out of
2: the good of your heart. It doesn't Sorry.
1: always have to be because they're getting a tax deduction. Well. Yeah, thank you, D. Appreciate that. Uh, or woman all right coming up next we're going to get into some news you can use and news you can't use you're listening to the marcus warren show All right, got some uh, Casey and the Sunshine band going. Some disco. Song came out in
2: 1975.
1: Oh, yeah. Top 40 hits in the U.S. and the U.K.
2: All right.
1: It's called Boogie Shoes.
2: Boogie
1: Shoes. Yeah. Yeah. know, Casey, uh. The Sunshine Band had a pretty good run for a while. You know, not too bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, warrenwealth.net. You'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. Once again, all you gotta do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right, we all know what it's time for. It is time to get into some news you can use.
2: All right, well, uh, Facebook has been going through some things recently or uh, Meta, Met- whatever, yeah, Meta. I can't call it Meta. I uh, anyway, so Amazon filed a lawsuit against the administrators of more than 10,000 Facebook groups who, who allegedly acted as fake review brokers. The lawsuit was filed in Seattle, accuses the group administrators of soliciting reviews for items in exchange for money or for free products. One of the groups, called Amazon Product Review, has more than 43,000 members and offered refunds or other payments to buyers willing to leave bogus reviews on products. Another group um, did the same thing, 2,500 members. Uh, they Basically, sellers are able to buy these fake reviews from some of these Facebook groups, and wow. Amazon is trying to do away with that. Of course, Facebook's parent company, Meta, has taken down half of more than... 10,000 groups that were yeah. <laughs> reported by Amazon continues to investigate others. Of course, Amazon's marketplace accounts for more than half of e-commerce sales. And so they're trying to... Domination. They are. They're trying to root out some of those fake reviews to yeah, that would keep help their marketplace... You know, Legit. The ...quality, yeah.
1: Right. I mean, because that's one of the things. I buy a, almost... A lot of things, almost everything on on Amazon, Mm -hmm. and I I use those reviews. Yeah, like I yeah, look at reviews first, and Mm -hmm. if I look at how many yes, and the star rating. So yep. If something has a five star rating, but yeah. only a hundred people have said anything, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'd rather go with a four and a half star or even a four star, where there's been uh, thirty five thousand. Yes, reviews. Uh, reviews. I did the because, same thing. You know, it just.
2: But it looks like now we can throw that all out I the back. I know that's cause what I'm saying. People are buying Jeez. these fake reviews. Um, yeah, Facebook moderators are trying to, of course, take these down. Um, sure. There are even some automated uh, um, computers trying to root these out, but they're, You know, they're people are finding ways around it and continuing to do this.
1: And there you go. What else?
2: All right. The Senate on Wednesday approved a $280 billion bill aimed at boosting the semiconductor industry, crucial to modern technology. We saw this um, last couple of years. Um, some semiconductor chip shortages uh, impacted a lot of industries, everything from cars to uh, uh, household products, washing machines, things like that. Um The Chips and Science Act of 2022 would spend (laughs) $52.7 billion on direct financial assistance for the construction and expansion of semiconductor manufacturing (laughs) facilities. It also adds $24 billion in tax incentives and other provisions. Um, President Biden said it would mean more resilient American supply for chains, um, also make us less reliant on foreign countries who are the main uh, producers of the semiconductor chips. Yes,
1: I ah. mean, you know, it, it's. I mean, it's good because, you know, you you. It's interesting because, um, of all the stuff, these chips power. Yeah. Like you know when when there was a chip shortage, mm-hmm. we're talking about some of that supply chain issue stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: It was affecting everything from you know cars to mm-hmm. iPhones to mm-hmm. just the things that you wouldn't even Your think machines. about. What, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. Uh, Um, you really just don't really think about some of those impacts of semiconductors or things of that nature. And it's good that uh – you know that we do need to bring stuff. Uh, at least have stuff a little in-house. more in house, so we don't have these. You know, down the line, you know, we're not dependent and have these supply chain issues.
2: I agree. I just feel like we're behind the eight ball because it's like we're doing this in response to the semiconductor shortage, chip shortage that happened. Of course, these other manufacturing plants that are in other countries have probably ramped up their production. So by the time we build these manufacturing plants, yeah,
1: but. Yeah, but in the future, I mean, you know, it's one yeah. of those things. Hey, you know, like never again will we, you know, be at the mercy of. Yes. Holland. There you go. If Mainly they... China. Okay. There yeah. you go. Yeah. All right. What else?
2: <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. In news that uh, should shock no one. ExxonMobil, Chevron, and Shell, the three largest Western oil companies, banked a record $46 billion in collective profits just in the second quarter of the year alone, of course fueled by high energy prices and lucrative oil refining margins. Exxon's nope. uh, second quarter profit rose to $17.9 billion, its highest ever, about four times as high as the same period a year ago. Hello. Chevron boosted a profit of $11.6 billion, also record profit up from $3.1 billion the same time uh, this year. Um, of course, Chevron's uh, CFO says that despite concerns about economic slowdown, they're continuing to see strong demand so we're talking about recession, maybe yeah. you know we're just still seeing this demand for oil and fuel, albeit it's somewhat softened due to the high prices. Shell similarly reported second consecutive record quarterly profit, sixteen point seven billion dollars. Yeah, these net are oil
1: companies are always making money. That's why when you know they were fined back in the day, or they have these fines of even you know, if it's a two billion dollar fine, they're like we make that in, we make triple of that in in a quarter. So we'll go ahead and pay it and just continue to, to move on. And so, um, you know, I'm not surprised. Plus, you know, the price of gas, oil, the barrel if you follow, if you follow that stuff, then you just know that, Hey, you know, when, um, oil prices are high and, and people are still traveling and gas prices are high and people are still out there doing what they do. Um, you're going to run into stories like this where Mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's not, it's not shocking that, uh, they're rolling in the dome. Yeah, that's what they're doing.
2: They are. I wonder if this trend towards um, electric vehicles, which I know is still in its very infant <laughs> stages, yeah. um, and even some of you know recently the climate, there was a climate bill that um, yeah, got approval that from makes, yes. from a uh, senate senators. yeah, yep, looks like it might it might pass in the Senate. Um, you know that bill that incentivizes basically some cleaner energy um, will impact some of these oil companies. Down the line in the future, maybe not immediately, but
1: yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we'll have to see about that. We'll have to see about that. All right, thank you, D, for that news that we can use. Um, you know, if we left people with that, that would definitely be enough, but we got to give the people what they want. What people really want is to take a break from all the news and the stuff that's out there, they want news. That you can't use.
2: Well, this is a borderline can can't use story because I'm kind of intrigued by this.
1: Isn't all of it kind of can can't? It is.
2: It is all. (laughs) It is all can can't. So, uh, speaking of oil profits, Saudi Arabia has unveiled designs for its ambitious urban project called the Line, which is a one-building city in the desert. It's going to stretch 106 miles, one entire building, okay. and will house 9 million people. It's proposed to be 656 feet wide, um, 1,600 feet above sea level, and it spans 13 square miles.
1: Where is this? Dubai?
2: Uh, Saudi Arabia. Oh, so oh. Yep, so it's uh, it's trying to it's trying to like a compete city in a with, bubble. It is, it is, except right? it's just, yeah, one long line. It's like this, they, they've unveiled some pictures and videos of, of the design okay. concept, but it's this mirrored one long line, um, and it's um, touted to be clean energy. There's not going to be any cars that are able to drive around inside. It's going to have high-speed rail. Oh, um,
1: okay.
2: so like a big airport. Like a big airport, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It is. That's um, what it's going to be.
1: Can you go outside? Like,
2: it there are outdoor. I think I did see like outdoor art, outdoor portion. So like an like an open <laughs> mall, open air mall, uh, with a high speed rail system.
1: Interesting. Designed
2: for people to live.
1: So, okay, I will have to pull it up and mm-hmm. and see because I'm trying to get this this concept of, of yeah this. Uh,
2: Imagine just a really. Just one building, but very long, yeah, like 100 a high 100 rise. Miles. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, very <laughs> yeah. long, right? Yes, yes. And to say the least. By the way, that's very right. long. <laughs> yes, that's
1: uh, yeah. Um, hundred miles is um, yes. You
2: get from the high speed rail that you're supposed to be able to get from one side to the other in and twenty minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, hundred miles. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not mm. bad. That's interesting, but uh, yep. we'll have to see because that that may not even be done in yeah. our lifetimes. Supposed
2: to supposed to twenty thirty. Really? Yeah, about 10, 10 years project. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. What yeah. else you got? Okay, a Wisconsin couple turned their collection of more than thirteen thousand cat figurines into a museum, hey. museum to raise wow. money for shelter cats. A stretching yeah, it worked. M E W museum.
1: Yeah, it could be mew. a cow. Moo, mew, mew. mew. Yeah, that's not what cats dig It's of not, I don't know, I don't have a cat. Uh, yeah.
2: The couple said that they remodeled their basement uh, so that they could increase the number of cat figurines on display at their house. Um, about seven oh, yeah, it Had they, they just started their collection in 2018. Um, four, it grew to 4,000 by 2020, 7,000 by July, and now they have 13,000 figurines.
1: These are people, you know, I mean, at least they're. Uh, Hey, you know there's something out there for everyone. I mean, you know, so I mean, yes, you got sixteen thousand or however many, mm-hmm. 13, 16, whatever mm-hmm. thousand cat little figurines. Yes. Might as well put them up for display yes. for you know a few people to swing by. Yeah. you know,
2: pay admission and pay admission mm-hmm. and give it to the cat Be
1: highly disappointed.
2: Yes, yeah. Is and that
1: their house or do they? Are they It's, building it's in a their structure? house? Oh, yeah, they just
2: added a remodel to their house. To to house the figurines. And they eventually hope to overtake the Guinness World Record for largest collection of cat related items because they don't quite meet it yet. That record is currently held by a lady named Carmen de Aldana. She owns 21,000 cat related
1: figurines. Wow. And I bet you she is single. Oh she is I don't know I bet she is anyway D thanks for that um, news you can't use and we all know what that music means it means we've come to the end of the show I want to thank everyone for listening have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday
0: thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren show for more information or to request your retirement toolkit contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 Or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.